1: everybody. We are back with another blue gold report brought to you by Dio McComb and Sons uh, Funeral Homes and if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Good Saturday morning. Took a week off. We are back this week for an edition of the show. We've got lots to get to and we've got uh, a contributor on the on the show. Uh, Mason Plummer will be uh, joining us from Slap the Sign at Slap the Sign and you can find him on Twitter as well at Mason Plummer 6. There's a lot of Mason Plummer so make sure you get Mason Plummer 6. You can follow him. Uh, going to talk about uh, some great stuff with the Notre Dame football team with him. He did a, a story about the uh, irreplaceable defensive players on the team right now. And uh, we'll take a look at the 2021 schedule too because that's been finalized and run through it a little bit. Uh, Win-win-loss-loss-win-win-win win, win, and we'll see what... No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. I mean, that's two seasons out, but you never know. <laughs> uh, we might be able to get through and figure out if they're going to be I don't know, 10-2 and two or whatever, but uh, you heard him giggle there. Uh, he's got blue Gold Nuggets too, including some great signings and stuff. It's our good buddy Todd Birlidge from Blue Gold Illustrated. Todd, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, Rags. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Uh, always uh, busy this time of year. And uh, you know, if you really want to get deep into Notre Dame sports, the NHL draft is coming up on Friday and uh, and Saturday as well. And there might be a couple players uh, from that team picked. So you can watch it. I think it's on NBC Sports Network. Uh, so uh, just want to throw that out there. They do that from Vancouver. Todd, in case you were wondering,
0: yeah, I was wondering, rags.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, let's uh, let's uh, talk. Uh, we'll talk blue gold nuggets, and we'll, and we'll get to Mason here in a little bit. So, what do you got for us? You had a, a couple of weeks to dive into some stuff. Give us some blue gold nuggets. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, here we go, Rags. Uh, they're kind of combo nuggets. Uh, there's like a 3-1 women's hoops here we'll start with It was announced this week that mm, the Notre Dame women will play Minnesota in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That will be December 4th at Purcell Pavilion. Notre Dame, not surprisingly, is undefeated in this particular event. They are 6-0. Ironically, they're 0-2 all-time against Minnesota. Uh, the Golden Gophers, the Lady Golden Gophers, knocked Notre Dame out of the NCAA tournament first-round style both in 1994 and 2009. Those are the only two times they played. Daniel Patterson, the surprise transfer um, from Notre Dame, six foot two, junior forward, was really going to get her chance to shine with all five starters going, but instead she decided to transfer. She is taking her talents to Indiana. Uh, Muffet wished her well, but did take a little bit of a parting shot, saying, man, I really can't believe you're giving up all this playing time. That's such a wonderful program, but we wish her all the best. On kind of a downside note, Jess Shepard, Obviously, the star center from last year for the Irish. Uh, she will be lost for the season in the WNBA. She plays for the Minnesota Lynx. Uh, she tore her ACL. Uh, she was averaging 4.8 points a game, 5.7 boards in 18.7 minutes. She played appeared in six games. Uh, moving on to some roster football moves here. The roster is officially at 85, where it needs to be because junior nose guard Darnell Yule, he took a medical hardship this week. He was really having trouble balancing his football and schoolwork. Uh, Brian Kelly says that anyways. A little bit overwhelming for him. Uh, so he, he actually never even appeared in a game, which was a little bit surprising considering he was a very highly re- rated recruit, highly regarded recruit out of Virginia for the class of 2017. Listen to this offer sheet, Rags, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and many more. He just really couldn't find a home at Notre Dame. He started as a nose guard, and then last year he, they moved him to offensive guard. Then this spring to nose guard, nothing really took, so they decided to give him. He's going to stay in school, going to graduate from Notre Dame, so that's the good news. But it does get the roster down to 85. Dismissed running back Deion McIntosh, uh, if you remember him from a couple seasons ago. Uh, he has landed at Washington State after spending a year in junior college ball. Uh, He was kind of a combo wide receiver running back during his time here at Notre Dame. Got his chance by necessity in 2017, if you remember some injuries and whatnot, started to mount a little bit. They threw him in there, and he did a really nice job. Played in eight games, had 368 rushing yards on 65 carries with five touchdowns. I believe, working off memory, that that 368 rushing yards uh, was third. Was third on the team that particular season. So he did a nice job, but he got himself in academic trouble, and that was that. Uh, let's see. Moving on to some recruiting news here. Jeff Quinn, the offensive line coach here at Notre Dame, continues to do a masterful job on the recruiting. Trail. Uh brought in a couple more four-star picks here recently. Most recently, six foot six. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, six foot six, two hundred ninety-pound Michael Carmendy. Uh, he's the latest four-star recruit from the 2020 class. If that name sounds familiar, it should, because mm-hmm. his brother Robbie Carmody plays for the Notre Dame hoops team. Um, actually, he was going to be a—he's kind of off to a solid start, but a shoulder injury and subsequent surgery cut his season short. Um, in addition to the Carmody signing by Jeff Quinn, there was another four-star offensive lineman, six-six, three hundred twenty-five pound Blake Fisher out of Avon, Indiana. This guy's offer sheet included Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Ohio State, LSU, and Michigan. So a couple more good gets. The 2020 class for Notre Dame. These guys are both 2020 guys. I should have admit, I should have uh, mentioned thirteen commits. Notre Dame now has the number five class in the country for 2020. Clemson is one, Alabama two, LSU three, and Georgia four. Uh, so some pretty uh, familiar names on that list right there. But. Uh, Obviously, the recruiting still in full gear for the Irish, and they're doing a great job. And finally, the over-under total from Las Vegas is out for all the college teams this year. Notre Dame, not surprisingly, comes in at 9.5. Really, you only have the two huge games at Michigan and at Georgia. You do have to play home against Stanford and at USC. Not a ton of marquee games. This is about where I thought that would land with the 12-game schedule. Um, Some of the high flyers here on this list. Alabama is an 11 Georgia and eleven, Clemson and eleven, Oklahoma a ten and a half, Michigan ten and Ohio State ten. So you see, Notre Dame does have two of those high flyers on its schedule in Michigan and Georgia, and those are your blue gold nuggets.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the over there. I, I I feel good about it. And by the way, Michael Carmody, he's a, he's from Mars. They got a guy from Mars, and you know, it's Mars, Pennsylvania, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> he is from Mars. And if you want to pump your chest a little bit, Notre Dame fans. I mean, first of all, you pride him away from Penn State, which has got to be pretty tough to do. But Michigan, Ohio State, Texas A&M, they were all in bidding. Stanford as well to get this guy, another beefy, uh, upfront guy, 6'6", 285. Yeah. This is a good get for them. I liked it. When I started the news here, plus, I mean, obviously it helped to have some nepotism on sure. campus. But uh, it,
0: this was a real good get, especially pry him away from some big-time Midwest schools. Yeah, when you're looking at the recruiting these days, you know what the job they're doing up front on the offensive line and defensive line really is what jumps out at you. And certainly, it's, there's a lot to be said for games being won in the trenches. And certainly, Notre Dame is doing a good job of winning the recruiting war in the trenches. All right, Todd. Uh, all right, I'm looking at the, the 2021 schedule here,
1: and and we'll bring in uh, uh, Mason Plummer in just a bit. Uh, talk about the defense. Um, But I'm looking at and the one thing that excites me and it should in the Midwest uh, here is their big matchup at Notre Dame against Purdue, but they also play Toledo. So there's there's some good stuff here locally um, to get a little and Cincinnati as well. So, you know, it, it seems ultra local this 2021 look.
0: Yeah, interesting. and That'll be the first game uh, against Purdue since 2014. I believe that was the Shamrock Series year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a local flavor. You know, Wisconsin is in there, and that's that Wrigley Field-Lambeau Field home-and-home. Field, home. This particular one will be at Wrigley Field. Let me just run it down. Go for it. For the second time in three years, if you include Louisville this year, Notre Dame will actually open again on Labor Day. This time it's at Florida State. Um, and then a little bit, a little bit different is Notre Dame will have a bye after the Louisville game this year, so they have some time, some downtime built in. In 2021, they'll have to play again five days later because uh, it'll be a Monday-Saturday split um, when they host Toledo. Um, that will be on September 11th. I mentioned the Purdue game. You mentioned the Purdue game. That'll be on the 18th. That's game three. Wisconsin then at Wrigley Field will be game four. Cincinnati. Uh, comes up in Game 5, obviously Brian Kelly, assuming Brian Kelly will still be here in 2021. Now, if he is still <laughs> here in 2021, he indeed will be the longest tenured coach in Notre Dame history, uh, which is kind of an- another sort of interesting sidelight to this. But yeah, indeed, Cincinnati will come to town. Brian Kelly's old school there. Uh, and then at Virginia Tech, a uh, team that Notre Dame did a number on this past season at uh, down there in Blacks- Blacksburg. Home against USC, Home against North Carolina, home against Navy, little home stand there, and then at Virginia, home against Georgia Tech, and at Stanford. So yeah, you do get that local flavor there, and a little few little scheduling quirks early on, but then towards the end there, you really dive into the ACC portion of things. But that was a. Uh, That schedule was made official this week, so I thought it was wise to run through it, Rags. And good for Notre
1: Dame fans. Early with the weather, you've got games in Notre Dame Stadium with Toledo, Purdue, and then you go to Soldier Field and then Cincinnati. That's four consecutive weeks. Uh, That's uh, exciting stuff. You throw in one road game at Virginia Tech and then an off week And then they've got two more games at home against USC and North. So it's, you know, it's pretty front loaded for some home games here, Chuck, uh, uh, Todd. And uh, I I like the early weather games, you know, that that get get them over with in September.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see where that, you know, I I mentioned a homestand there and I threw Navy in there. Uh, It remains to be seen exactly where that game will be played. Typically that kind of, that's a traveling game a lot of years. So we'll see what happens there, but Yeah, I mean, even now, Rags, you know how it goes. It seems like the seasons have really shifted. So you start to look at October games. Hell, it's probably still going to be 80 degrees. That's a good point. you're, You're right. There's not a whole lot there. The November 20th, home against Georgia Tech, that could start getting a little bit feisty. But beyond that, I don't really see any Arctic cold games. All right, let's bring in Mason Plummer now, the contributing writer for SlapTheSign.com.
1: You can find him on Twitter, at MasonPlummer6. He did an interesting story about the three Notre Dame irreplaceable defensive players, and let's see who he thinks it is and bring him in right now. Uh, Mason, it's Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge, and you're on the Blue
0: Gold Report. Thanks for joining us, pal. Yeah, no
2: problem. Thanks for having me, guys. A long a longtime fan, longtime listener, and it's, uh, it's nice to be on the show.
0: Yeah, Mason, we really appreciate it for sure, and I I, I wanted to dial you up. Um, because I did read your story on slapthesign.com last week and I really enjoyed it because I, t- I thought your approach was interesting. You see a lot of these sort of player countdowns, players you can live with, players you can live without, but I appreciated your word irreplaceable and I liked how you defended it. I'm going to go I'm going to walk you through these cuz I'm going to save the surprise one for last, but give me kind of the breakdown on why you think Alohi Gilman is one of the three most irreplaceable players for the Irish.
2: When you follow, we follow Notre Dame Football as closely as the, the three of us do, and a lot of analysts like that. You, you know that you have a guy, a five-star, in Kyle Hamilton right behind Aloy Gilman. So I think my choice of choosing Gilman as uh, as one of the irreplaceable players shocked a lot of people. But the leadership and just the camaraderie he brings to the Nerding program, I don't think can be matched, especially by a guy like Kyle Hamilton, that's known to be a little bit more reserved. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's a great athlete, but. Coming in as a freshman, I don't want to put the the burden of what Alohi Gilman does in Notre Dame team on a guy like that. Yeah, Alohi um, think... Gilman's a great prospect and a great player, but I think almost from more so from a leadership standpoint, he's unmatched.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Kyle Hamilton can learn so much from Alohi Gilman both both from a performance and very much a leadership standpoint as well. Moving on, and I totally agreed with this one. Uh, just because of some of the numbers and, and the thinness within this position group. But cornerback Troy Pride Jr.
2: Yeah, Troy Pride Jr. is a guy that I really expect to have a great season this year. He's moving to the field corner from boundary, taking over for Julian Law. that massive shoes to fill, as I detail in my article. Um, Troy Pride's going to have a great season this year. And really, it's down to Troy Pride being great and also the very large lack of depth behind him. That's what been widely reported, again, is if you, if you follow Nerd football, you know that we've struggled for a while to recruit corners, and that's not stopping anytime soon, it looks like. Uh, I don't trust nearly anybody behind him. Um, we've, you can't seem to land the big corner. And um, on the other side, you have Houston Griffith, which I do trust, and I think he might move to the field corner if something were to happen to Pride. But um, we're, Nerdin's going to have to rely on Pride heavily this season.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it just like you said. I mean, you saw what happened when Julian Love went out in the first quarter of the Clemson game. You saw that lack of depth there, and I don't see where they've done a lot to improve that through recruiting uh, so far. Maybe they'll surprise me though. And the last one that I kind of my jaw dropped a little bit until I read your your take uh, on the whole situation and why you picked him. But defensive tackle Kirk Heinisch, I was surprised because. Really, when you look at the resumes of some of the other guys we're talking about here, Pride, Gilman, and a lot of other guys along, even along that defensive line, uh, when you're talking about Kareem and Okwara and some of these other guys, you know, to see Kurt Heinisch in there in your list surprised me, but explain to people why that is, and I think they'll appreciate your explanation. All
2: right, so I chose Kurt Heinisch over a guy like Julian Aquar, who I expect to be an All-American in a first-round draft pick simply because there's another possible All-American if Aquara wasn't on the Notre Dame team and Daylon Hayes. Daylon Hayes could nearly match the production of Aquara, and I think that if something were to happen to Aquara, Notre Dame would just about be okay. Now, in the defensive tackle position, if something were to happen to Heinish, Notre Dame is in big trouble. Um, I really like Jacob Poblasey as a prospect, but I don't think that he's, he's going to be able to match the production of Hynish, like coming in immediately, as, a, as kind of what I stated with Hamilton. And then behind behind Lacey is uh Jamie on Franklin. Franklin is a is a solid player as well. I think Lacey beats him out for the second defensive tackle, but Heinrich, again from a leadership standpoint and just athletically and the production he's gonna put up, he's not he's not somebody you typically think of as an irreplaceable player, but for me he absolutely is.
0: Yeah, and you look at his season last year, You know, not a whole lot to talk about maybe the first half of the season, but he really came on in the second half of the season, became a real force and a must in the rotation. And I think that goes to your point as well. Mason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where can folks find you? Uh, Just kind of give us your resume and the rundown and and how how folks can find your work.
2: Yeah, so you can find me tweeting probably too much at Mason Plummer 6 on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, I tweet a lot about Notre Dame football, basketball, a lot about recruiting. I've been getting a lot more into recruiting recently. Um, I'm, I'm going to be a sophomore at Ball State University. I'm studying journalism. Uh, you can find all my work on slapthesign.com. I've been writing there for just about two years now. Um, yeah, we post a lot of good, a lot of good stuff there, not so much from a breaking news standpoint, but an analytical standpoint. Mm-hmm. If you want to find some breakdowns on players, teams, matchups, that's where you're going to find it.
0: That's what I love about Slap the Sign, too. Um, it's not You can find that other stuff all over the place. It takes a little bit of a different approach, and you guys give a lot of opinion, which I very much appreciate that. That's what I like to read more than anything. Hey, Mason, you mentioned recruiting and how you've been doing a lot with that, and certainly we're at, recruiting is in high speed right now, top gear, full gear, whatever you want to call it. What's been jumping out at you so far, especially with this 2020 class?
2: The 2020 class is looking to be unreal. One of the best we've seen probably since 2013 um, under Brian Kelly after we went to the National Championship game, which isn't a fun topic to talk about. But that, that recruiting class after making it to the National Championship was a great. And this one's going to be even even potentially better. Uh, guys that stand out are Jordan Johnson recently up to a five-star on 247 Sports. And uh, Jordan Botello, both Jordans, uh, Patella is going to be a decent, nerd and reminds me a lot of Aaron Lynch and another another comparison to the 2013 class. And the uh, potential for the 2021 class is even greater, currently ranked as number one on 24-7 sports.
0: Yeah, good stuff for sure. Hey, Mason, that takes care of me. I uh, appreciate it. Mason Plummer 6 for his Twitter handle. Find his work at slapthesign.com. Mason, we're going to have you on again soon, okay? All right, thanks. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.
2: Podcasts by Federated Media.